When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again, and welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. This is John Fitzgerald, and this week we are talking Redbird football. In early January, just on the heels of an outstanding early signing day period, for Brock's back and the Illinois State Redbirds. Joining me this week is Illinois State Assistant Athletic Director for Communications, Mike Williams, along with former Redbird assistant football coach and longtime radio analyst, Ted Schmitz. And Michael, start with you. 25 players in this early signing class, 14 on the defensive side of the football, 11 on the offensive side, seven transfers. Might not want to use the word coup, but this was a really, really impressive undertaking by Coach Spack and his staff. Yeah, it's one of the largest ones that I've seen since I've been here, and this is year 15 for me, along with Coach Spack and his staff. And it's, it, it achieved exactly what he wanted to do in the balance. You, you mentioned 14 defense, 11 offense, and there's a good mix of high school and portal transfers in this group. So he knew what they needed to get done he knew what they had available to them and i think the staff did a tremendous job of of recognizing that and getting that done they've been working on this i mean you know, like coach always says if you're not recruiting you're just falling behind um so they've been working on this this is not something that they take lightly they're looking at this as during the entire season you know um but they've they put together a very very big class here and and to the point where they may not have a ton of work left to do come February for the second signing period. Uh, but I think that they'd rather have it that way and know what they're working with moving forward here. And then as anything changes, they've got a little bit more flexibility here over the next month or so to, to, to round out this class. And Coach mentioned that with his comments on signing day. Obviously, if you have an opportunity to get the players you need early on, no reason to wait until February for the regular signing period. And and Ted will go to you because you've been on both sides of this right now, but in your time, long time 
as a coach, a day like this, 25-man signing class, this is a pretty exciting time for this football program. It really is. I, I, I thought, I would just say they had a great day on the uh, first signing day, and that's the day you want to do it now. You don't want to wait till February if you can help it because now he's got everything he needs except maybe he talked about maybe a wide receiver or offensive lineman, and other than that, he's got what he needs, and they're ready to go for spring ball. As you go into this, obviously any kind of signing class in any sport across the board, some of it is a little bit of a gamble with regard to how these players are going to turn out two, three, four years down the line. So many different variables come into play, performance, weight room, how they develop. And you've got a class here that's a, a good mixture of transfers, some of which have Division One FBS experience already. Some are going to be high school players. But getting a number of these guys in for spring football early on, which is so common now, is really a huge asset to really expediting that development for them in the field. You're exactly right. And, you know, you got a pretty good run on the, the transfer guys because you can see them actually playing football somewhere. And even if it's at a Division II level, it doesn't make any difference. You know if they're a good football player or not. Now, the high school kids, sure, you look at, but that's a lot different level. When you, start, when you go from high school to college, you're talking about a lot faster game. Guys take a little time to adjust. Those guys, you're kind of hoping to maybe redshirt and play the second year. Though, except maybe I got a running back. You can, a running back's a running back. It doesn't make any difference what, what he is. He can play. He can play. And uh, I think that Coach has got the right mix here. I think that he's got some real good transfers. And I think that he's got a lot of good high school players. But you know, we've got to take a look at those guys yet and see what they do. Obviously, the Birds coming off a 6-5 and five campaign this past fall. It was a very stout defense under defensive coordinator Travis Kneecap. And one of the glaring people that's going to be gone is Zeke Vandenberg who continues to rack up postseason awards across the nation after his play at the same linebacker spot but the birds coming in able with 14 defensive players to at least attempt to fill the void by Vandenberg when he leaves yeah and I think that's I think anybody that was paying attention to what was happening with the roster knew that that's what was going to be looked at here in the offseason. The, the offense is pretty much all back. You know, there's not a whole lot. Of, there's a couple spots, obviously, Drew Bones and a couple guys like the tight ends in particular. But there's not, a, there's not a ton of turnover from the roster this year to next year on that offensive side of the football. But there is on defense. You know, the whole defensive front was graduated you know, and has moved on now. Plus Zeke, obviously, a huge glaring, which we hope later this week he becomes national player of the, of the year on the defensive side. Um, so the coaches had to do that, and they know that. And they've got good young guys in the system, too. But you've got to constantly rebuild that system, and you've got to find guys. So, yes, the young guys that maybe got some playing time last year, okay, you've got to get a step from them in the offseason. They've got to get bigger, faster, stronger, some good work in the spring ball, and then they maybe are competing for spots in the fall. But with the transfer portal being what it is, as, as Ted mentioned, you know what these guys can do. You've seen them on tape. You've seen them what they can do against other Division One talent, uh, whether it be on the offensive or the defensive side. So it's a fine line for these coaches to draw now where you're not completely you know, beholden to the transfer portal and you, you throw all your eggs into that basket. But at the same time, you have to have some guys that can help you now immediately because a lot of these young defensive linemen or rush-ins or any of these other guys that are part of this freshman signing class, 
to Ted's point, aren't probably going to be ready yet to play. So be really interested to see, especially come spring ball, when some of these transfers are here and competing with the team and, and start classes here in January, what they can do immediately and how they can help fill some of those holes. Of the 25-man early signing class, 11 coming from the state of Illinois. And for this program, that's a huge factor moving forward. You know, this staff has done a great job. Coach Spack's got a, a, a wonderful coaching staff and a wonderful recruiting staff. And I think the coaches in the state of Illinois realize what's going on here. And I think it's helping a lot. And now, that, now you've got to realize the state championships are coming back here too, the playoffs. And that'll help a lot. This staff has done a tremendous job. I thought they did a tremendous job of coaching last year, and I think they're doing a tremendous job in the offseason now recruiting. They, they don't let a day go by without recruiting. They're in there every day working on either the portal or their high school area, and uh, you just can't say enough about them. And I think that everybody in this state is now aware that the high school coaches are aware that Illinois State's a place where their kids are going to be happy. And, Mike, you talked about this factor a little bit too with – with the increase in the transfer portal and obviously the number of student athletes who are going into that on a yearly basis across the board in all sports, getting a 25 man recruiting class is a really difficult endeavor because it's not going out and saying, these guys are going to be seniors on our roster next year. This core is going to be juniors. These are the people we need to build up for. You've got Guys who played one year last year at the defensive back spot who are one and done because they're done with their eligibility. They were graduate transfers. It seems like it's a constant turnover in different positions of trying to fill those voids and increase the pipeline for when those people leave too. And Coach has mentioned that several times in interviews throughout the, at least the last couple of years since the transfer portals really become the monster that it is. Um, but you it's very, very hard to build a four-year program now. Um, you have to almost worry about it as a year-by-year year because, yeah, you could bring somebody in this year or you could bring in one of these 25 freshmen, and after next year they realize, I'm, I'm done, I'm out of here, I'm gone. You could be banking on them for the – you, the coaches, could be banking on them for the next four years, but they may have a different you know thing in mind. And that's what the hardest part now is that it's so easy for them to be able to do that. So the coaches really have to almost look at this as a year-by-year thing now as opposed to, you know, when, when I first got here and started working with Coach back in 2009, he was very looking at four- to five-year time blocks, and you just can't do that anymore. So now the decision is, do you go all in, I want to win this year, and I'm going to go get a 25 guys out of the portal? and know what I'm getting right away and just hope it works out for one year and then figure the rest out later? Or do you do some kind of a mix? And obviously, if you look at, at the numbers and the way they did, this coaching staff has decided to go with the mix. Missouri State didn't do that a couple years ago. They went all portal, had great success, couple playoff runs, but then now those guys have all gone and look what happened last year. So every program in the country now, especially at our level, is having to make that decision as to what they do on a year-to-year basis. So I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, you know, and I think the more established programs like South Dakota State, North Dakota State, they can do that four- to five-year thing because I think those kids will probably stick there longer because of the same success that they've had in the past. But for a lot of other schools, they're going to have to make some hard decisions and figure out what the direction of their program is going to go, and that's going to be a coach-by-coach, program-by-program, offense-defense basis. 
The Swagger is back at Illinois State with new head coach Ryan Peden at the helm of the Redbirds men's basketball program. Single game and season tickets are on sale now by visiting GoRedbirds.com backslash tickets. Secure your seat and support your hometown team through a new and exciting era. The Illinois State women's basketball team looks to defend their Missouri Valley Conference championship in head coach Kristen Gillespie's sixth season. Don't waste any time confirming your seat and head to GoRedbirds.com today to purchase your season tickets starting at just $65. And I would really think, Ted, as you look at this, you talked about the fact that this recruiting aspect and this almost animal, you could say, takes on a year-long basis. This almost goes in season, in practice, week by week. What players are performing? Who might we need to replace moving forward? This is constant for all the coaches involved in their respective rooms. You know, it's, it's almost like pro football. It's almost the same thing. And uh, I think the players realize this as well. And I don't know if like Mike called it, the portal is a monster. It's something but you got to live with. And one thing I'll give Coach Back credit for, the first year he tried not to go to portal, and he found out he had to use, as Mike said, a good mix. And the thing that I think is really impressive, though, is all these high school kids. You look around, you don't see too many high school. I think we have more high school signees than anybody probably, well, except maybe like the Dakota schools. But most in this league we got a lot more. And uh, – I think that's a plus. I really do. And he's what, what he lost in the portal, he gained in the portal by, by even Steven. And then he went out after high school kids. And I think you're going to see kids get more, a little more loyal as the time goes on. Right now you're seeing kids that are not as loyal as they have been in the past. And believe it or not, the most important thing in football is loyalty. And I think we're going to get that with these young kids, and I think it's going to be real positive. Well, I think with the high school kids, as you mentioned, I think that's a, that's a real credit to Coach Spack and his staff for the kind of environment they create for the football program here. Even, even last year with a number of first-year players, this was a class and a group of players that not only fought very hard, but I think were incredibly close. And that's an environment, I think, of the coaching staff and the type of environment that they create. You're exactly right. We're really, really close. And I think that this year, if the people that are, it looks like are staying, staying, we could have a real good year next year. I think, you know, we, we were close this year. Next year you get over that hump, and I think we'll be back in the playoffs, and I think we can make a run in the playoffs. I really do because of the people we have. And you talk about the push to the playoffs, the birds very close this year down the stretch, you know, points and seconds away from probably being a playoff team this past year when they finished six and five. This is, as you look at the landscape of SCS football, the birds are really on the verge of doing something special once again here in the football program. Yeah, I, and I, I kind of mentioned that to a lot of people last year. People say, you know, ask you in the preseason, what do you think of this team? You know, I, I, I've been here long enough that some re- for some reason they think I'm an expert, even though I don't really know much of anything. Um, Ted knows way more about football than I could ever think about, but the team has a lot of 2013, 2014, and I mentioned that um, to that because 2013 the team was very young, new quarterback, didn't really know what was going to happen. 2014 got a bunch of got a couple transfers, and all of a sudden, boom! You know, 14, 15 were two of the best years in program history. I really feel like had Zach not got hurt at the end of the year, that kind of mm-hmm. threw some things for for a loop. Mm-hmm. Who knows, you know, but these coaches aren't going to use that as an excuse. The players aren't going to use that as an excuse. All they're worried about now is saying, okay, what are we doing in 2023 and how's this going to look? And Zach's the first one that'll tell you that. I've talked to him several times since the season was ended. 
Um, and his only focus is, okay, what do we do to get over the hump next year? And I think these guys will help. You know, these new signees will come in and they'll help that immediately. But ultimately, he knows it's, it's up to him as one of the leaders of that offense. The coaches know um, that they have to lean on the other seniors and the other longtime guys that have been a part of this program. But they fully believe that this team has everything it needs right now to be a contender and to be back in the playoff hunt and to be back in the conference championship hunt. Um, this only helps with the signing class and, and figuring out where that can kind of fill some holes as we've talked about earlier. It's going to be very interesting. You know, spring ball is going to be a lot of fun to watch. There's a lot of position battles, especially on the defensive side, as we talked about earlier. Um, so there's going to be a lot of opportunities out there for younger players or players that maybe haven't played a lot or these new transfers to really step up and put their mark on this team because it, it, it it's going to be an exciting football season in the fall and especially with some of the guys that we have coming back people know but then also some of these new transfers and, and new freshmen as well obviously Cole Mueller had an incredible freshman campaign in 2021 got injured three or four carries into that Wisconsin opener this past year and was out for the rest of the year. He's going to be healthy next year. Winker's right ended up being a featured back this year, had flashes of brilliance at times. But from a coaching standpoint, knowing you have those two in the backfield and then a legitimate returning quarterback in Zach Anikstead being healthy next year, there really is reason for a lot of optimism in this program. I agree. And, and first of all, you need a whole stable of running backs to get through every season. It happens every year. You need about five to start it with, and they've got a stable of backs, and he'll find out who the good ones are in the spring and early fall season. I think the, the other thing is the quarterback, the backup. We all know a little bit about the Kaplan kid that's coming in. He's a, a darn good football player. So you got a, what looks like a possible real good backup quarterback. And the running back and quarterback – depend a lot on that offensive line. I still like our offensive line of the kids we have coming back. I think they, they needed another year. Some of them coming off of injury didn't get a chance to get in that weight room. And I, I like some of these. I like our offensive line. And I think they do need a center to replace Bones. He's a darn good one. But they, they've got a couple kids coming in that can take that position, I think. And uh, I, I re if that offensive line is as good as I think it's going to be with the running backs and quarterbacks we have, I think we're, we're going, I think our offense is going to be outstanding. Now, the defense has got a lot of work to do in the spring and early fall. But they've got a great staff. They've done a good job. Every, everything they've done, those kids come out and they know what's going on. It's not, it's not something where you see the defense not running fast or playing hard. They always are playing fast and playing hard. And that's, that's half the battle in defense. And uh, they've they got the work to do, but it'll be fun. It's going to be good. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Mason Kaplan is that quarterback in this early signing class, a transfer out of Alparaiso, 6'2", 205. He started against the Birds at Hancock Stadium in the second game of the season, completed 18-36 for 191 yards and two touchdowns. 
and really single-handedly, I thought, kept Valparaiso in that ball game and gave them a chance to win, not only with his arm and the 191 yards passing, but he was really able to keep plays alive with his legs, and that's a dynamic that be really attractive in the backup role for the Birds. You're exactly right. He, he what he can do is escape real well, which is if you know when you're getting pressure, you need guys to keep those feet moving and they can escape. And he's also a pretty good throwing on the run, as he proved in that ball game. So I think he's exactly what Zach is. Not as good as Zach, don't get me wrong, but I think he's that type of player. So they don't go down. They got the same type of guy in there. Last year when Tommy came in, he was more of a runner. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what, what Zach is. Zach is a quarterback that can throw the football, has good feet, can escape and throw on the run and run when he has to. And I think that's exactly what they have in Kaplan. We're visiting with former Redbird assistant coach Ted Schmitz and longtime radio analyst and the Illinois State Assistant Athletic Director for Communications, Mike Williams, talking about the 25-man early signing class for Brock Spack and the Illinois State Redbirds on the football gridiron. Our podcast of In the Nest is brought to you by Jason's Deli. Redbird fans, all good things start with wholesome ingredients. Visit Jason's Deli in Normal on Veterans Parkway today and receive free ice cream with every purchase. And Mike, when you take a look at this 25 member signing class, what are who are some of the individuals that jump out to you as being the most immediately attractive options for Brock's back and his staff next fall? Well, I think first and foremost, you look at those seven transfers. I mean, those guys are going to be expected to come in. They, they wouldn't have signed them if they didn't think they could help immediately. Um, with, with the portal being what it is these days, you're not bringing some guy in as a project. <laughs> you know, you're going to bring a guy in that's going to help you immediately in whatever role they're, they're you know, fashioned for or whatever position they make sense at. So that's going to be fun to watch. And all those guys are going to be here for the spring. Um, those guys are all coming in. They're all starting classes here in about a week, week and a half. And they're all going to be here um, competing for spots and competing for playing time with the guys that are currently on the roster. So those are all going to be guys that you're going to have to keep an, a close eye on, um, especially on the defense. If you watch, if you love defense and anybody that's been around the Brock's back uh, mode of things knows that uh, he loves defense. And Coach Niekamp's done a tremendous job the last several years uh, with that defense as well. That's going to be the, the most in, intense thing to watch during spring ball is how all, all these guys can fit. The other guy that, that everybody's talking about is running back Josh Robinson out of Bolingbrook. Um, you know, his story and how he kind of fell, you know, through the recruiting cracks, or he actually had a bunch of offers, had a bunch of FCFs offers, had a bunch of uh, group of five offers, you know, MAC offers. And the, but with the recruiting cycle being what it is these days, sometimes, if you don't make an immediate decision or say yes to a school right away, they're going to move on. And and luckily for us, from all intents and purposes, if you read all the you know the the websites and the recruiting websites and things which I do as part of my day to day job, so I can know a little bit about this team, he seems to be a big steal. And there's a lot of people talking about him in this class. And as Ted mentioned, you're going to need as many running backs as you can. And we've had a bunch of them here in the last ten years. Um, you know, James Robinson kind of came to us in a similar fashion, not the exact same way that, that Josh seems to have landed in our laps, but, but in, a, in a similar way, I think their stories might match up, both Illinois kids. You know, we've known who these guys are for sometimes three years with the, with the summer recruiting processes mm-hmm. and the camps and all these things. Our coaches do their due diligence and see these guys sometimes two, three, four times during a summer. So... It's, it's a change, but, you know, 
if you look at the Illinois uh, players on this list, these are guys that our coaches have known about for sometimes three, four years at this point in time. So the fact that they're able to get them and keep them in state is huge. And the fact that hopefully you can develop them and get them into positions. Ultimately, what it normally comes down to is if you take a look at the 25 things throughout the transfers, because you know they're probably going to play immediately, your skill position players are probably going to be the ones that you're going to have any option to see come come fall 23. Uh, your running backs, your DBs, because um, if you're fast and you can run and you can play and you're physical enough, you're going to have an opportunity to see the field. The defensive linemen, the offensive linemen, a lot of times those need a little bit more time to, to get bigger, faster, stronger in, in the weight room. And, and to, as Ted mentioned earlier, that's where your traditional red shirt, although I don't know what a red shirt is these days with the COVID <laughs> year and everything else, has gone way out the window. Um, but if you look at that, that's if, you, if you're looking, the tight ends even too. Some of these tight ends are coming in. They're big boys already. They don't need to get much bigger than that. So offensively, I think you're going to see – quite a bit of these guys have a chance to see the field but at the same time with so many guys returning on offense it might be hard for them to to crack that so the defensive guys in any other year you'd think maybe don't have as much of a chance but this year in particular with so many holes to fill some of these young defenders on this signing list could have a shot and could get some chance to play right away and Ted, when you take a look at the seven transfers, there's two from FBS schools, two from FCS schools, one from a junior college in California, and then two Division II transfers. And might not raise a ton of eyebrows upon first glance on a piece of paper, but when you think about how good California junior college football is, and then both of those Division II transfers – are players from the MIAA in Nebraska, Kearney, and Missouri Western, which is by far the best Division II conference in the nation. This is a really good transfer class. That's what I like. The Division II people we have coming in here, I don't question at all because that is just as good as a lot of times as the FCS program. It really is. And you, you named it. It's probably the best in the whole country. And uh, you can't go wrong getting any skilled kid out of California. Any, you know, <laughs> No matter what the position is, those guys start when they're seven years old playing seven-on-seven football. They really do. And I, I never – I used to work some with Mike White in the summer camps, and he used to tell me, hey, we do this when these kids are, well, you know, seven, eight years old. They start them in the seven-on-seven. And so they've had plenty of skill, and the Division two, and all these guys are going to be a factor, as, as, John, as uh, John, you're saying. They're going, to be a, they're going to be a factor right off the bat. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with Willie, too. I think some of these freshman kids are going to be able to f- be a factor. For, take – our defensive line, we lost really basically the front four if you take Zeke as kind of the fourth rushing guy. But we have good people to take their place, but we have no depth behind that. So now all these young guys are going to be the backup guys. They're going to play, and they're going to be pretty darn good. They've got some pretty good-looking guys coming in here. We'll have to see them in spring ball, but I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And, Mike, as this thing has changed, this recruiting calendar for the most part, and you throw the portal into it, what's next now in the offseason for Brock's back and his staff? Weight room, weight room, and weight room. Uh, and, and honestly, and Coach has mentioned it so many times, with COVID and some of the things that happened, the program didn't have a chance to get in the weight room for, for those couple of years. There was so much uncertainty as to whether they were going to play or not play or what was going to happen. And, 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 and Coach seemed to think that it really affected his team and the way that they they've prepared. 
Now, last year they had a full cycle and everything worked and, and the team was much improved from the year previous. I have no doubt that with another full cycle of, of conditioning and, and weight room and Coach Nicholson and, and, and our strength and conditioning staff and performance staff doing what they do, that these guys aren't going to be even leaps and bounds better than they were this time last year. Um, so I, that's that's a number one priority is those guys are going to get in here early February. They start more conditioning in, into their you know regular calendar of things that they're going to be doing. And then they're going to be ramping up to get going in early March for those spring practices, which is 15 practices. I think we're, we're looking into mid-April you know, before the, the spring game happens. Um, hopefully the the indoor facility is 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 there and available for that. The progress seems to be moving really great out there on that. Um, so, I I think that's the biggest key right now is is getting these mid year transfers in, getting them settled, getting them into their classes, but then getting them involved in this culture that you mentioned earlier of this team that really seems to be very tight knit, and and then them all working towards getting to beginning of March and those practices starting and really figuring out, okay, who's filling what roles and what can we do here until the majority of these, you know, I think with 25, you're going to see maybe 10 of them in the spring. The rest of these 15 guys aren't coming until June and July when, when summer school starts. So, but those, for those 10 guys, the next month and a half, is huge it's massive for them to get acclimated to this program figure out what it's all about get comfortable get in the weight room so then when march happens and those first practices started they're ready to hit the ground running and we detail this as the 25 man early shining class there is another shining class in february that the birds might or might not be horribly active in but that was the case 15 years ago that was it now we're going to be getting into late spring, early summer, and still some transactions possibly taking place. Yeah, and that's how the transfer portal has changed this game. And, and the NCAA just recently you know, added two new transfer portal periods, uh, one after the regular season and then another one in the spring as well to allow for that. But they actually corralled it a little bit. So I'm actually kind of glad because they only give them a certain amount of time now where you can go into the portal and make that decision. Whereas in previous years, a kid on a Tuesday in the middle of spring ball could say, I'm out, I'm gone. So they've, they've corralled it a little bit, which I think is good and will help the coaches kind of figure out their rosters moving forward. But at the same time, I think these coaches know that whatever they still have left come February for that signing period, they know what they need to do there. But then they also know that after spring ball, there's probably going to be a whole nother glut of things happening, whether it's with our roster or people at other schools on other rosters in the portal. So that's it's it's a constant thing. You know, we talked about the recruiting never stops, and it certainly doesn't, especially now in this day and age with the with the portal being there, ever present, and having potential uh, players that could help your teams immediately. Every coach in the country is looking at it daily. I can guarantee that, and they're trying to figure out if there's somebody there in that portal that can help their program immediately or in the very near future. And Ted, Mike talked about the fact that at the very least, seven will be joining the program on campus here over the next few weeks, maybe as many as 10, especially with those transfers who you might lean on, as you said, to play a little bit more in this upcoming fall. That's really huge to get a lot of work with them within the system done in the spring. So you're not spending time doing it in the fall because it's a very quick turnaround from the start of fall camp to that opener. And also some freshmen can graduate early and come in the spring and start now. And that, that's huge. You, to me, those are like 
second-year players if you get them this spring. And even though they're 18 years old, they might be a big factor. And uh, I'd like to mention number one thing. I think great leadership out of Zach Anikstead. He, I think the defensive players rely on him as much as the offensive players. He's just a great, great leader. And I think that's, a, that's number one a plus. And today's roster, if you're one of 22 – on offense or one of 22 on defense instead of just one of 11, you're a starter because you're going to roll people in. Mm-hmm. You know, you see everybody rolling in the defensive line. You're rolling in the running backs. That's always been a, a po- you know, possibility if you're one of those. But everybody too deep now is it's 44 players instead of 22. I think that's what we need to realize not only these transfers, but some of these freshmen who will come in and be part of that. All right, prediction time. FCS title game, All-Valley matchup this coming Sunday, the ninth out on Frisco, Texas. Mike, North Dakota State or South Dakota State? I'm still having flashbacks from 2014. So, you know, I I tell you what, it – it went to, to the way that everybody thought it was going to be. And I honestly thought that the FCS would never allow another All-Valley title game. Um, we kind of joked about it. In fact, there were, there were posters that were put up in Frisco in 2014 that said MVFC title game. Um, it was kind of a joke between some, some people. But, you know, it's hard to beat a team twice in the same, in the same year. But I – I've seen both teams up close. I've seen both teams play each other. I saw their game against each other. I just I think South Dakota State's too tough. I I I, I don't I, and that's saying absolutely nothing against that North Dakota State team. Right. They are the gold standard in this division until somebody proves them that they're not. And I I don't know if this year's the year or not, but I just I I, I like everything about that South Dakota State program, and I, I think they're going to be tough to beat, especially the way they looked at the end of the year in some of their playoff contests. Ted, how about you? I agree with Mike. I think that South Dakota State's the best football team, but I'll use Craig Birchie's line some way that North Dakota State always finds a way to win at the end, and they did in that last in their semifinal game. And you, it's going to be a great game. The 2014 was probably one of the best games ever played in Frisco, yeah. and this one's going to be exactly the same way. It's going to go right down to the wire. Somebody's going to make a play at the end and win it. But I, I think South Dakota State is probably the best team of the, of the two. All right, guys, thanks so much for your time today as we highlight this 25-man early shining class for Brock Spack and the Illinois State Redbird football team. Thanks again to Ted Schmitz and Illinois State Assistant Athletic Director for Communications, Mike Williams. I'm John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next time right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.